0: Good afternoon, New Philly. Wow, Chris looks so mushy so today. Huh? Where's Shelly at? Shelly, your man, you know what I'm saying? Hey, He's taking everybody. <laughs> All right. Um, today I'm going to preach from 1 first Peter. 1 first Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Let's open up our Bibles there. First Peter 2, verses 1 to 11. <clears throat> I'm sorry, let's actually read all the way to verse 12. So I'll take a verse and then you guys read the following verse. You all with me? All right, here we go. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against the soul. You know, the word for a new Philly in this season is that we're moving from a Davidic administration to a Solomonic administration. And this this was good news for us because the Davidic administration, it represented a time of warfare, of fighting, of pressing in, persevering, pushing through. Not that we've graduated from such things, but the emphasis and the focus of what God is doing is no longer warfare, but on building see, King David was a man of war. And he fought battle after battle and battle. And he's a man that not only knew war, but he knew victory. And I think that's the season that we're coming from. A season where the church, not only were we familiar with war, but we're now familiar with victory. Amen? You and I were more than conquerors, the Word of God says. We are victorious. And now we're stepping into a season, by prophetic word, of the solomonic administration and king solomon was not a man of war but rather he was a king that built and the very desire of king david's heart his father was to build a temple for the lord but king david was not the one to do it in fact in first chronicles chapter 22 king david shared with his own son i heard a word of the lord saying it was you I have too much bloodshed on my hands. But you, you are going to be the one that's going to experience rest and peace on all sides. And it's going to be you that's going to build the house of the Lord. And so we got this prophetic word and it was preached by Pastor Christian at one of the Friday fires. And it was powerful, especially for those that have been running with the house. Because we all know about the warfare. You know, we all know about the warfare. And I think that there is an excitement And a joy that's coming upon each and every son and daughter about the building that's going to happen. Amen. You guys excited to build? And the thing about King Solomon was he built a physical temple of the Lord. In fact, he built it so extravagantly that those outside uh, would come and admire what the wisdom that King Solomon actually built with. It was so luxurious, so incredible, so beautiful, but it was a physical temple and this solomonic season of building for us is not necessarily about building a physical temple but a spiritual one and here in in uh, first peter chapter two it talks about a spiritual house that's being built and this spiritual house is not made of literal bricks or literal stones but it's made up of men and women you and i are now called living stones And it's a house that's not defined by walls or roofs or materials. It's a house that's put together by men and women of God. And we're called to be living stones and to be built up as a spiritual house. Amen? You know, um, this theme, it continues. If you guys turn to uh, your Bibles in Ephesians chapter 2, Verses 18 to 22. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. I'll just read that passage. You guys can uh, read with me. It says, For through him we have both access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now what this is saying, the word of God is saying, is that you and I are now the temple of God. We manifest the temple of God. We manifest the carriers of the presence of God, but it's not just me and God. It's not just you and God. It's about us belonging and joining and intertwining together through relationship, through intimacy. Through relationship, we are being built up together, and together as living stones, we are becoming a spiritual house. You know, We've been talking a lot about sonship, 2010, even 2011, sonship was a huge theme. Even in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says that Jesus is the cornerstone. The cornerstone, it was the first stone that was laid out. It was kind of like the foundation stone. And all the other stones referenced the cornerstone. So wherever the cornerstone was placed, it defined what the building was going to look like. And Jesus is that cornerstone for us. And one thing that Jesus exemplified for you and I was sonship. His relationship to the Father, to God, wasn't just one where God is his master and he is a slave, but it was one of a heavenly father and a son. And that theme of sonship is something that you and I are walking in today. However, not only are we sons of God, but now we are called to relate to one another as brothers and sisters. We're siblings. I want you guys to just turn to your neighbor real quick and say, you're my brother or you're my sister. (laughs) And here in this season of building up a spiritual house, I want to talk about something that the devil does. It's kind of like termites, if you will, to destroy the building up of God's people especially in the aspect of relating to one another as brothers and sisters. And this is called the spirit of jealousy. We're going to talk about being jealous today. Is that okay? You know, sibling rivalry is actually a common theme throughout the Bible. You'll notice that story after story, Esau and Jacob, even Joseph and his brothers, That there's this theme where amongst siblings, the prodigal son and the older brother, this theme of rivalry or contention or comparison or competition, it comes up, doesn't it? And here, even in the house of God, if we're not careful, we can fall into the very same trap of becoming jealous of one another, therefore not building up, but destroying See, spirit of jealousy is is divisive in nature. And the work that it does is it destroys rather than builds up. And there's a lot of aspects of being jealous, but today specifically I want to talk about being jealous in terms of one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of you guys might not admit to it, but if we're all real, there have been instances where we've been jealous of one another, hasn't there? Thank you. Some of y'all fessing up. And uh, this sibling, sibling rivalry is actually something that a lot of us are might, might be familiar with, even in terms of our natural lives. Why? Have you guys had uh, ever been jealous of your brother or sister before? <laughs> Diana and Amanda, real sisters, <laughs> grilling each other over there. <laughs> have you ever been jealous of your natural sister, natural brother? You know, I have a brother that's five years older than me. His name is Philip, and he is an accomplished man. And he was accomplished even when he was like in elementary school. All right. He was like an accomplished elementary school student, an accomplished middle school student, an accomplished high school student. He went to prom with the Valley Victorian. My brother was all-state in uh, cross-country. He was all-state musically, he did saxophone, baritone sax. Tenor sax and alto sax. Uh, he was able to master all saxophones of all kinds. And he um, was extremely smart. He was AP uh, in everything like AP, I don't even know, because I wasn't. And so he was AP, everything. And he was cross country, like he was an amazing runner. Um, Everything about him in my eyes was perfect, and there's so much about him that I wanted to be like when I was growing up. I really admired my brother. But, you know, somewhere along the line of my admiration towards my brother, it started to evolve into not admiration but jealousy. And what began to happen was everything that my brother did well started to point to the things that I didn't do well. And rather than being able to celebrate his accomplishments, I began to get upset And began to just think inside my heart, is that necessary? Really? Another trophy? You have to do that? Because 21 on your mantle is not enough for you? You have to get another trophy? Great. And I couldn't celebrate with my own brother. I began to just bear contention towards him. Because everything about him highlighted the things that I didn't have. That's how I felt. That's the way that I looked at it. You know, my brother was, uh, he took French. I took French because of him. Um, I wore his clothes even when I was growing up. That sounds weird, but back in the day, baggy clothes was in, and so you know, like I wear his hoodies and his pants, and I, I was cool. Um, I remember being—I remember the first time he had a sleepover. Some of you guys, I don't know if you ever heard this story. The first time my brother ever had a sleepover, I was so wanted so badly to be a part of it, and my brother was just like kept saying, umma, oh mama, you know, calling my mom to like kind of get me away, but I kept following them. But I wanted so badly to be a part of that that at night when they were all hanging out in the room, I put my pillow on my blanket at the door, in front of the door of my brother's room. And I laid there. <laughs> and when they laughed, I laughed. And I was like, ha 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 the door of my brother's room, and I woke up in my parents' bed because my dad apparently scooped me up and was like, what in the world is this <laughs> child doing? And, but I, I, it went from admiring to coveting to being jealous. And so this theme of sibling rivalry, it's something that I personally have gone through But I think whether you have a sibling uh, in the natural or not, we're all exposed to the temptation to be jealous of one another, even in the context of being in a spiritual family. Uh, I was reading a book. It's called, where is this book title called? It's by R.T. Kendall, and it's called Jealousy, The Sin That No One Talks About. I know, right? I have it in my bag. The book is red. It's like so, anyway, it's intense. It's a really intense book. Uh, But R.T. Kendall, he defines and differentiates between envy and jealousy. Uh, This reminds me of Gina. Where's Gina at? Ah man. Gina, during our preaching practicum, she preached a message on envy and jealousy, actually. Um, I wanted to give her a shout-out. But anyway. Uh, The spirit of envy and jealousy. Now, according to R.T. Kendall, he describes it as this. Envy, it tends to focus on other people's things. So I'm envious of your glasses. I'm envious of your pants. Chris, I don't know why that came. (laughs) I'm envious of, you know, the vacation you get to go on. I'm envious of your salary. Okay, I'm envious of your job. And it comes from a place of coveting, wanting what they have. But jealousy, jealousy, it includes not only desiring what other people have, but it kind of takes it to another step, and it begins to include animosity towards the person themselves. So not only am I envious that you have an amazing, um, you know, job, but now I am having and holding hostility towards you because of that. And so envy and jealousy, the way that R.T. Kendall, and, you know, if you look, at, look it up in the dictionary, it's, interti- it's interchangeable. Some people define it differently. But I'm um, going according to R.T. Kendall's definitions. Um, his thought is that jealousy is envy manifested. Okay, jealousy is envy manifested. Jealousy is envy uncontrolled. Jealousy is envy Um, where you feed into envy. For example, if envy is the thought, jealousy is the obsession. And it's interesting because he talks about both the positive aspects of jealousy and the negative. But I'm going to focus a little bit on the negative aspects of jealousy first. And what jealousy does. The first thing that jealousy does is it's divisive in nature. And it goes in direct opposition of, building us up together if we're in a solomonic administration and god is calling us to build then jealousy would very much be the antithesis of what god is doing okay and you know i remember uh when i was in uh middle school or elementary school i had a best friend named diana and i don't know why best friends were so important back in the day but naming each other best friend was possessive in nature you know like she's my best friend And um, Diana and I were each other's best friends forever because he added another level of friendship forever. And I remember she had another friend named Grace. And Grace and I, we actually met through Diana one time, and we just connected, and we just, like, there was just chemistry, like friendship chemistry. And we were just laughing, and we had such a good time. And I remember during that whole time, Diana being, like, really quiet and, like, weird, I'm like what? But anyway, and so me and Grace connected. The thing is, back in the day, you didn't have cell phones. You had, only had house numbers, you know, to contact one another. And um, so uh, I didn't have Grace's number. And I remember calling Diana on the phone, her house phone, and just asking her, hey, you know, let's hang out this Saturday. Let's go to the mall. Let's watch a movie. She's like, yeah, let's do it. And I'm like, why don't you invite Grace? She'd be like, oh, Grace is busy. I'm like, oh, okay. Next week, hey, why don't you invite Grace? Tell Grace to come out. Oh, no, Grace is busy. Uh, she's doing something else. Later on, uh, we stayed friends. We, we've been friends for such a long time. But uh, in high school, she actually confessed that Grace wasn't busy. Um, <laughs> Grace's schedule was wide open. Uh, in fact, Grace was actually calling Diana and saying, hey, why don't you invite Aaron? But she would say, "Erin's busy. And the problem was that Diana, she felt really insecure about us getting to know one another because she was afraid, she was afraid that she was going to lose our friendship with her. She was afraid and she was jealous. And she began to have plans of action to separate us so that we wouldn't connect. Unfortunately, that it didn't work out, and Grace and I are best friends forever. Um... <laughs> But we all ended up being friends together. Uh, but, uh, it's, but it is divisive in nature, the spirit of jealousy. It causes us to hold and hoard, not to give away. If you've connected and you've been so blessed by a particular person, maybe even in the house, when they start connecting with someone else, all of a sudden you, you get stirred up, you want to get possessive, and you want to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Sonia's my girl. She's my friend. I don't know why she's hanging out with so-and-so these days. Mm -hmm. And it causes us to want to build up walls of resentment, bitterness, even offense towards one another. It's divisive. It's divisive in nature. Um, Another thing about jealousy is it leads to death. And what I mean by it leads to death is it leads to sin, which leads to death. Uh, I remember... The things, it's funny, because jealousy is such a strong motivation for a lot of sin that we commit. And a lot of reasons why we do what we do, if we're careful in examining our heart motives, a lot of it actually roots back to jealousy. It roots back to jealousy. Uh, I remember when I was in, uh, when I first came to Korea, I was a teacher at SMOE. And uh, I taught English. In elementary school, and I had a co-teacher who was a Korean native, and this co-teacher was about in her mid-thirties. And when I was dating, I was dating Christian at the time, and anytime I mentioned my relationship with Christian, like, you know, she'd be like, "Oh, that's so great," but you could tell that she wasn't really excited about about it. Uh, and when we when he proposed and I got engaged, I remember the next day going to school and kind of feeling a little bit awkward, like, should I tell her? Should I not tell her? But The thing was, you know, I I figured she's probably going to see the ring, and so might as well just tell her and have her join in on the excitement. And so, you know, I tell her, I called her Wang Ani at the time, and um, I was like, Ani, guess what? Uh, I got engaged. And uh, (laughs) her reaction, I kid you not, this was her reaction. It was, oh, like that. She leaned back on her chair and, oh, like, like rolled her eyeballs in the backside. Like her, her lack of rejoicing with me, like physically manifested. Like, like she couldn't even hide it. Like she wasn't even trying to hide it. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what just happened? I was so confused. But not only that, the way that she began to treat me afterwards was very... It changed. There was a change. All of a sudden, she began to be very cold to me. She began to, you know, we work in the same classroom together. So we would walk in the classroom. She would walk first. And I'd be behind her, but she'd close the door. You know what I mean? So I'd have to, like, open the door again. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, it was time and time. And it was crazy, you guys. I can't even begin to tell you. I used to call Christian every day telling, I want to quit. I want to quit. I can't take it. I don't even want to go to work anymore. This is just so, like, just the feeling of experiencing her envy and her jealousy. I remember it being so tangible. And it actually led not only for her to think thoughts but to begin to act on it and to physically begin to block me in her life. And the root, uh, when we have jealousy as a motivation in our heart, all of a sudden – Sin, if we don't take care of it, if we don't uproot it, if we don't recognize it and turn away from it, sin begins to manifest in our lives. Why? Because all the commandments of the Lord can be fulfilled in two things, love the Lord with all your heart and two, love one another as you love yourself. The very spirit of jealousy is in the exact opposition of loving one another. Now you're not loving one another, but you're hating on one another. You can't rejoice in one another. And we begin to see this not only in the church. When someone gets promoted to active leader, all of a sudden you find yourself not being able to celebrate. And you begin to just, uh, oh, that's great. So happy for you. You know, we even try to hide it, but some of us can't even hide it. Oh, you got chosen to be the missions team leader? Oh, fantastic. Like... Oh, you had dinner with Pastor Christian, just the two of you? Oh. (laughs) So glad you got to do that, you know. All of a sudden, we find ourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ beginning to just let the spirit of jealousy overwhelm us, overcome us take lordship over certain areas of our lives and instead of celebrating what god is doing in other people we now begin to become jealous not only that some of us begin to even hope that that person won't prosper oh you're an active leader good luck with that Oh, you're leading the missions team? Oh, I was, I was considered to be that leader, but you're going to do Oh, that's great, great. We'll see how you're going to do. It's just all of a sudden we start not coming into alignment with God's heart, but we begin to just act from this place that is so not of God. You know what I'm saying? In fact, not, you can see a literal example of jealousy leading to death, which is Cain and Abel. Abel gives this sacrifice that's pleasing to the Lord. And Cain, in just sheer jealousy, is led not only to be angry towards God, but also to the point where he murders his own brother. You know, when Jesus came to the earth, he didn't come to lower the standards of the Ten Commandments. We think that, don't we? Oh, we have grace now, so all the standards that God did, it's lowered. Actually, when Jesus came, the standard got higher. Now, when you hate one another, it's committing murder. And so how many of us have been murderous in our heart towards even the very brothers and sisters of the house because we're jealous? And I'm telling you, and I'm preaching this to you because we don't have time for that in this season. There's no room for that in this season. What God is going to do at this hour, he is planning to join us together and build us up and grow us. And we're going to see such increase that there's going to be no room for jealousy. But we need to be, we need to recognize it right away and begin to turn away from this spirit. It's consuming. Jealousy is divisive in nature. It leads to sin. It leads to death and it is consuming. It's distracting. Now all of a sudden, rather than thinking about what you need to do, you can't help but to focus on what so-and-so has been doing. And all the open doors that so-and-so has. And all the blessings that so-and-so got. And all the prophetic words that they got. And you're like, that was supposed to be my prophetic word. And you begin to just be consumed. And it, you know, the examples that I'm giving sounds really harsh, but it also can be very subtle. It could be very subtle. Maybe some of you guys aren't twitching, you know, when you're congratulating one another, but there's a, a, a thought in your heart of saying, oh, man, now I lost that chance. Or I don't have that opportunity now. You took it away from me. It's not fair. I remember when I went on my first missions trip, I was, uh, no, my second missions trip at New Philly, at the time it was JCM, I was asked to be a mission team leader. And I was just a prayer team member at the time. I was so, it was, uh, in 2007, I was freaking out. A lot of the team members were so much more well-established than me. Uh, uh, Pastor JM was on my team. And Pastor Christian was on my team. But I was the team leader. Can you imagine how I felt? I felt completely insecure at the time. So inadequate. Uh, In in fact, I think there were numerous occasions where I cried in front of the whole team. (laughs) And um, it, I, in, in many ways, uh, God's grace was there, but I was also a mess at times. And I remember being a missions team leader, leading these people that are older than me, more established than me. I thought more uh, prepared than I was, more spiritual than I was. And, and I was a missions team leader, and I just was so overwhelmed with insecurity. And uh, not only that, but at the time, I was dating Pastor Christian. We were just beginning to date. And during that time of missions training and even on the missions field, I began to be filled with a spirit of jealousy towards a teammate, someone on my team. I began to just get jealous of her. It was a, a sister. And one of the reasons why I began to get so jealous of her was so much of what she had, I felt like I didn't have, you know? And she was just the type to just be so joyful. And, you know, every time she laughed, I was just, rather than, you know, laughing with her, I started getting more and like, why am I not joyful? You know, like, what's? what's wrong with me? Or why can't I be like her? Or, you know, I was just seeing all the amazing things that God was doing in her life. He was doing such powerful things in her life. And rather than celebrating it, I just felt like, oh, now, you know, it's her time and, you know, God's done with me. Or I don't know what I was thinking, but I was filled with so much deception that it began to consume me. And it began to preoccupy my thoughts. And now I began to walk in such distraction. And rather than being the leader that God was calling me to be, I was so focused on this one team member. And it began to escalate and elevate because she was friends with Christian. And what happened was I had a dream. Okay? And in this dream, I'm driving a car. And I'm the driver, but Christian and this particular sister are in the back seat. And they're, you know, like laughing and chatting it up. And I'm like stressed out because I'm driving. And all of a sudden the car is going out of control, right? But I'm not even focusing on the road. All I can see is a rear view mirror and I'm looking at them. And I'm just filled with just, that's my man, you know, like. And I remember at one point in the dream, I was like, Christian, you drive, you drive, you drive, you drive. And uh, I, I started to notice that the car was swerving left to right, left to right. And when I was trying to press the brakes, there was a stack of books under the brakes. And so I couldn't even, you know what I'm, the, the books were there. And so I couldn't even push it down. And that was my dream. I woke up and I was, I, I actually was angry at Christian. Like he didn't do anything, but because of my dream, I was like. And I carried all this suspicion and all this division started to happen. And I'm the leader here. And, you know, I tried to cover it up. I tried to hide it. I tried to pretend that it wasn't there. But it got so bad that even in the middle of the missions trip, while we were in the Philippines, we were at the MPWM Center. I remember one night after team debriefing, we, I had to pull Krishna aside and I took him to this like gazebo outside of MPWM and I sat him down and I was like, I can't take it anymore. I'm so distracted. I can't even focus. Like I am so embarrassed that I have to admit this to you right now, but I'm jealous. I'm so jealous and he's like i don't like her i don't like her (laughs) (laughs) i like you i like you and i was like i mean at that point it didn't even matter it didn't even matter i gave such reign towards jealousy that even his direct words against it, it it almost had no authority i'd given jealousy so much authority in my life at that moment Man, it was so hard. And that's what jealousy does. Rather than causing us to fix our eyes on the road ahead, the path that God has laid out for us, now we're looking in the rearview mirror. Constantly just looking backwards at the person that we wish we were and unable to discern where God is leading us and who he's calling us to be. You know, Pastor Marcus, he preached an amazing message, Take Your Place. I always refer to it because I think it's such a powerful revelation. And in this revelation, he had this, I think it was a vision or a dream. What was it? It was one of those things where he encountered and he was brought up into the throne room of heaven and he saw two footprints in front of him. And he was focused on someone else over here and he was looking at the footprints, but God was speaking to him and he was saying, you need to take your place. And God began to reveal to him that 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 Pastor Marcus was getting distracted by other people and it disabled him from taking his own place. That's what happens when we let jealousy reign in our hearts. Rather than pursuing the call that God has for us, now we're so fixated on the calling of someone else. I was so consumed. I was so distracted. We don't have time to be distracted at this hour. It's time to build. It's funny because I shared this uh, same story at uh, Hillside, and everyone was trying to guess who I was talking about, you know? his <laughs> sister at the church. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, I realized later on, the reason why I, I really fell into this lie of, of being jealous is because I believed that I was missing something. Like I was so convinced that I was missing something or that I was in lack or that I wasn't significant to the Lord or I wasn't good enough or um, all my weaknesses is is what defined me. And everything that I thought that labeled me or everything that I thought gave me value, I felt so low in. And rather than getting the revelation of glorious riches in Christ Jesus, I kept walking and I'm missing, I'm lacking, I'm missing, I'm lacking. You know, the funny thing is, we're not all called to do the same thing. And we're actually not all called to have the same exact gifts. But we are all called to experience only the significance that only God can give us. And we're called to experience the love that God can give us. And I think in many ways, the gifts are reasons for pursuing things that other people have is because we're crying out for significance. We're crying out for acceptance. We're crying out for love. And so this was a time before sonship was established. And so I was so walking in that deception that I lack, that I lack, that I lack, that I lack. And it's funny because jealousy, it's divisive in nature. That was number one, right? And it was actually dividing me from the very blessing of connecting with someone who would be very important in my life. This particular sister ended up being one of my bridesmaids at my wedding. And uh, see, now you're, all, now you're all narrowing it down, right? Um, she's actually the uh, pastor at Busan Seaside, Pastor Mina. <laughs> pastor Mina, man, I was so jealous of her. I really was, because I saw such a love And her light made me feel like my light was small. And it almost stopped me from stepping into the blessing of being in a relationship with her, of being blessed by her and being a blessing in her life. Actually, right now, she's one of the people that I can go to when I'm struggling, when I'm dealing, when I'm having a hard time, I know I can call her. And she's someone that knows my heart. She knows me, and I feel comfortable. I feel safe with her. But it almost didn't develop to that place because jealousy is so hard to divide us and not bring us together. And I remember sharing this with some of my staff and uh, Emea staff. And all of them were just like, well, what did you do? How did you get rid of it? You know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. How do I get rid of it? How do I not be jealous of the people that, you know, I want to care about and I want, I, that I actually love, but I feel this division with them. I feel walls of resentment towards them. I can't celebrate when they're prospering. I can't get excited when they receive a prophetic word. All of a sudden, when they prosper, I feel lower and lower and lower. What do I do? What did you do? And one of the things that I did, especially with Pastor Mina, was I literally like got on my knees and I was so tormented by jealousy, I took it to the Lord. And I was like, God, I can't take it anymore. Like I don't want to be this person. No one's ever proud of being jealous, huh? It's always like the sin that's like really embarrassing. Like, oh, I'm not jealous of you. I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous of her. What are you talking about? I'm so secure in who I am. I don't know. <laughs> You know, like we just don't, we never want to admit that even a thought of jealousy, it comes across our mind. And, you know, one of the things that uh, really helped me uh, with um, getting set free from jealousy with Pastor Mina was I began to pray for her. I began to engage, I began to ask the Lord to open my eyes to what he was doing in her life, and I began to partner with that. And even if I didn't feel like it, I began to pray blessing over her every single day. And whenever she began to grow, whenever she began to excel, I took part in that joy. Because I was like, God, I'm a part of what you're doing in her life. I can celebrate because I'm connected. When she's blessed, I'm blessed. I began to understand covenant relationship. The thing about jealousy that you and I need to understand is that it's actually in our nature. Now, stay with me here. There's two kinds of jealousy that I'm going to point out. One is a jealousy that Satan himself exemplifies. In fact, Satan wasn't always Satan. He was once an angel, according to Isaiah chapter 14. If you look through verses 12 to 4, it's his confession of wanting to be worshipped and wanting to be exalted. In fact, he wanted to be made like God. I want to make myself like God was his words. And it's funny because Satan, out of his jealousy of others worshiping God, he began to take one-third of the angels, convince them to now go into his kingdom and worship him. But the very truth is Satan is actually jealous of you and I. Do you know that? He's so jealous of us. Why? Because you and I were created in the image of God. And when he sees us, he sees what he wished he was. And it makes him burn inside. He hates us because he hates God inside of us. Satan is so jealous, and that's why it's one of his signature cards to work. And his very manifestation of jealousy actually caused division in the heavens. And you can imagine what he's trying to do on earth today. He knows he's doomed for destruction. But what he wants to do is convince you that you lack And convince you that you're missing something. And convince you that something's wrong with you because if he has that, then you're not walking in the very manifestation of what he's actually jealous of. Now, Satan is jealous, and it's a self-centered jealousy. His confession was, I want to be worshiped. But there's another kind of jealousy. In fact, if you turn to Exodus chapter 34, verse 14, it says, Do not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. See, that's weird. I just spent about, what, 40 minutes talking about the negative aspects of jealous, being jealous, the spirit of jealousy. And now God in his word says, I'm a jealous God. In fact, my name is jealous. How do we begin to reconcile those things. Is God insecure? Is he wanting what we have? Does that make any sense? What? Oh man, Judy, I w- Judy, I wish I was like her. You think God's saying that. In fact, it says God is the father of lights. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. So what could he possibly be jealous for? Remember earlier I talked about being envious is about wanting what someone else has, but jealousy is about the person. And the reason why God says, I'm jealous and I'm a jealous God is because he's jealous for you. He is jealous for you. And do not get it twisted. His jealousy also divides. His jealousy is also a divisive kind of jealousy. But rather than dividing us from brothers and sisters, it divides us from death to life. And it divides us from sin to reconciliation, restoration. It divides us from sickness to health. His jealousy for you is a great exchange that is explained in Isaiah Isaiah chapter 53. He was pressed. He was cursed. His jealousy is divisive. It divides us from the old nature to the new creation mindset. And the jealousy of God also leads to death, and it led to the death of Jesus Christ. He was so jealous for you. He was so jealous for you that he sent his one and only son to die a death on the cross, but it doesn't stop there. He calls you and I to die as well. Because in death, in this death, we may truly live. He's so jealous for us. He wants us to experience true life, a life that comes from dying to our flesh but living, being raised with Christ. And it's a jealousy that's also consuming. His thoughts for us, it consumes him. We don't really think about God that way. You know, and I remember thinking, oh God, you have a lot of things to think about. I remember laying back, you know, even when I was in middle school, just thinking about all the things that God needs to take care of in his agenda. And be like, whoa, God, you have a really busy schedule. But we don't think about this God who is all-consuming and his love for us is a jealous love. He doesn't want a part of you. He wants all of you. And everything that he does in your life is to get all of you. He, he is jealous for you. And this is a jealousy that's not rooted in deception because we think if I get the gift that person has, I'll be happy. If I get the job that they have, I will be satisfied. If I got the prayer that they got, then everything would be good in my life. That's deception. But the jealousy that God has for us is rooted in truth, that only he can satisfy us, and that's why he's jealous for us. His jealousy is, I want all of you. I want all of you, because when I have all of you, you experience everything that you desire in your heart. God is a jealous God. And today, what I want to share with you about building the house of the Lord is not just getting rid of the spirit of jealousy, but exchanging. From jealousy in terms of making our name great, to jealousy for God's name. You know, the very temple that God is building at this hour with living stones. With living stones is a temple that's designed to exalt his name. Is a temple that is designed to lift up and release worship unto Him. One person. One God. The triune God. God the Alpha and the Omega. It's all about Him. All glory, all honor, and all praise. And God is inviting us to get jealous for Him. Now, what happens is when we begin to burn with jealousy, not for ourselves, not for our name's sake, but we begin to burn for jealousy for his name, we begin to partner with what he's doing. And when someone else begins to excel beside us, we can celebrate. We can bless them. Why? Because God is being glorified. Even if it's someone that's not even in our church, We can say, man, praise the Lord. Why? Because God is being glorified. Now we are experiencing a jealousy for his name. And rather than focusing on the injustices that happen to us, we we focus on the injustice that's happening in the world. And we look at sex trafficking and all of a sudden our heart burns for jealousy for all the women who are oppressed. We look at North Korea and we rage. Our hearts begin to burn with jealousy because we know that God wants all of North Korea. We begin to align ourselves with His desire, His heart. It is a passionate, His love's not a weak love, you guys. It's not a faint love. He loved us with such a powerful, jealous love. It's described in Song of Songs as this For love is as strong as death. Jealousy that is as fierce as the grave. It flashes, its flashes are flashes of fire. It's the very flame of the Lord. His love is a love that burns for you and I. And it's time we stop burning against others. And stop burning for our namesake and start burning for what God is doing and start burning for what God is building and to start burning for one another. You know, because we are being joined together, there is a covenant relationship that's happening in the house of God. That's why membership is so important. It's because you join that covenant. You're no longer an outsider. You belong. Come on, tell your neighbor, I belong. When you belong, now when your sister is blessed, you're blessed. When they receive a prophetic word of the great things they're doing, you know that you are part of that for them because we belong to one another. I belong to you. You belong to me. We belong to the Lord. And we can begin to covenant uh, with one another. You know, when I first married Christian, I still saw us as two separate people just married. And when Christian would get a prophetic word about all the amazing things that he's going to do for the Lord, I would actually sit there and be jealous of my own husband. Because when I would listen to those things, I would think to myself, I have nothing to do with that. It's all about what he's going to do. And I remember Pastor Benjamin, one of the insights that he gave me that set me free was talking about Ishmael and Isaac. And the reason why Ishmael was the... the The reason why Ishmael wasn't blessed, but Isaac was, wasn't because Abraham acted out of, you know, out of the time of the Lord. But it's because the promise of many nations was both for Abraham and Sarah. And so when Abraham tried to fulfill that promise outside of covenant, outside of the covenant of his wife, Ishmael was born. But Isaac wasn't just about Abraham. It was about the covenant that Abraham was in with Sarah. The promises that we have in this house is not just about Pastor Diana. It's not just about Jason. It's not just about um, uh, Sam O. It's about you and I in covenant with one another. And that's why Pastor Daniels preached so powerfully. Everything that we need is in the house. Everything that we need is in the house because we need the house to walk out our destinies. We think that the vision and the purposes that God has for us is just for us. You are wrong. If you try to fulfill the destiny of God outside a covenant, you're going to produce Ishmael's. But God is interested in us raising Isaacs at this hour. And Isaacs only come in the form of covenant. You and I are in covenant. Therefore, the spirit of jealousy has absolutely no room. There's no place. There's no time. It can't prosper in our house because we are rightly relating to one another as brothers, as sisters, in covenant relationship. When you are blessed, I am blessed. But above all, God is being glorified. I want you guys to just close your eyes right now. And I just believe that God wants to break off just that spirit of jealousy in the house today. Once and for all. And I'm not talking about a deliverance that lasts a week. I'm not talking about a deliverance that lasts a season. I'm talking about a deliverance that's permanent. We talked about going from glory to glory. If you guys went to the retreat, something that struck so hard in my heart was the everlasting light that God will be our everlasting light. No more are we going to go from clarity to confusion, from clarity to confusion, from bondage to freedom, from bondage to freedom, but I'm talking about an everlasting freedom. And God wants to remove jealousy once and for all from the, from the house permanently. That though you may get, get the temptation to be, the, to be jealous, you will never entertain it. You will never house it. You will never open up a room and let it live or have dominion or any authority in your life anymore. This is a word for every single person. Every single person. This word is for you. It's a Solomonic season, a season of building up, a season of being joined together, being built together into a dwelling place for God. And it's time to be jealous for his name. just give an opportunity for those of you that really bear witness like I said, this word is for everybody but there are some of you in this room that really bears witness with seeing jealousy have authority in your life when you think about your thought life, when you think about your actions when you think about rejoicing with those who rejoice or mourning with those who mourn you've noticed that there have been patterns where you've been feeling disconnected with that joy of a brother or sister in the family And if that's you, I believe that God is going to set you free today. If you believe in the power of God to do that, I want you to just stand to your feet. If this is something that you've seen as a pattern in your life, if this is something that's been holding you back recently, if it's been holding you back in the past,